Hey, welcome back to the Rattling Bones podcast. I'm back answering questions about live sound and touring and all that sort of stuff. Uh, when I recorded the last episode, I was actually mid-tour with the Rose in Europe. And yeah, since then, I finished that tour. I've then been to South America, toured there and come back and had a few weeks off. So yeah, I was just looking the other day and between now and the end of the year, my calendar is pretty full. I'm trying to get an episode of this recorded in now before I go out on tour again in five days time. But I might try and record some on the road as well. I'm going to take the mic with me and we'll take my roadcaster with me. So I'm going to plan on doing some other podcast stuff for something else. That's top secret, but that should be coming out soon. So keep an eye out for that. But while I'm there, I might as well try and record some more of these episodes as well. So if you've got any questions, let me know in the comments or on the Instagram. Yeah, I guess for now, let's get straight into this episode. So this episode's question is getting a good IM mix, tips and tricks, EQ and compression. And in case you don't know what IM stands for, it's in-ear monitors. It's the headphones that the band members wear on stage so they can hear what they're playing and what's going on nice and clear. They can walk around on stage and they get the same mix consistently wherever they go versus using like a monitor speaker that's just in front of them on stage. So normally I mix front house, which is the sound that the audience will listen to. But quite a few of the bands that I work for have their own touring in-ear system. And this is made up of like a rack mounted mixer, something like the Behringer X32 rack or Midas M32C. And then some sort of XLR split system. So all the channels that they need will go into the XLR split. And then one set of tails will go to their mixer. And one set of tails come to me at front house. Then we have separate control over them. So I can do whatever I need to for the front house mix, EQ, compression, effects, whatever. Then the band have their own mixer on stage where they can set all their own channels, all their own EQ. And then they can control this during the show using something like their phone or an iPad or some sort of control device. But the problem you kind of get into is if you don't set up the EQ properly before the show, all the band members are really doing on stage is adjusting the volume. They're turning stuff up and down. This is most of the time. You can change the EQ on the phones and on the iPads, but most of the time, most of the bands are just changing the volume. And you can run into problems if it's not set properly. Say, for example, you have a lead singer who plays guitar. You could get to the point where if it's not EQ properly, maybe you can hear his vocal really well in the ears, but you can't hear the guitar. So it turns the guitar up. Now the guitar is clashing with the vocal EQ wise, making it hard to hear the vocal. So he turns the vocal up a little bit more. Now he can't hear the guitar as much because the vocal's louder. So he's turning the guitar up and then the vocal up and the guitar up and the vocal up. And you're going to get to this point where it starts clipping and distorting and compressing. And it's just not going to be in a good place. So what you have to do is just do a bit of bit of EQ space making to make it as easy as possible for the band to just be able to turn stuff up and everything kind of slots together a little bit better. And you can be a little bit more extreme with EQ on in-ears because you don't have to worry about affecting the tone as much because as a front house engineer, you want to keep the tone as true to what it is on stage as possible. But in the in-ears, it doesn't matter if you take away a little bit of the tone of something, as long as you can still hear it right. The main point of the ears is clarity. You want everything to be super clear. Let's say for another example, you've got your kick drum and your bass guitar. They're both really prominent between like 60 hertz and 120 hertz. And if you turn them both up at the same time, it's going to sound really muddy and clashing against each other. Neither of them is going to be clear. They're just going to be kind of fighting for the same space. So we need to EQ these so that they fit together a little bit better. So that if you just adjust the volume a little bit, it's not going to be as extreme if they're not EQ'd. So let's say we want the kick drum to be a little bit lower in the mix EQ-wise or frequency-wise. So on our kick drum EQ, we're going to boost 
between 60 and 90 hertz. But then we're going to cut between 90 and 120 hertz, leaving a little pocket of EQ space for the bass guitar. And then do the exact opposite for the bass. So cut between 60 and 90 hertz and then boost between 90 and 120 hertz. So now they kind of fit together a little bit more like a jigsaw. So if you turn them both up, they've both got this defined space where they're going to poke out in the mix, but then they're also leaving some, a little bit of extra space for that other instrument to be there as well. So kind of just working together and kind of use that approach on everything in the mix. So look at what's coming into the inner unit, what channels are there, think about where each of these are prominent and if they're going to clash kind of pick where they're going to be and take that frequency out of the other channels to kind of make a little bit of space for everything. So if you've got a vocal and a guitar that clash in, find where the vocal is more prominent, kind of take that out of the guitar and then maybe move the guitar EQ slightly lower than that or slightly higher and maybe take a little bit of that out of the vocal if it needs to. Do that for all the instruments that you've got and that kind of help out EQ wise when you're adjusting the levels up and down. Uh, compression wise, I wouldn't compress too much in in-ears. You don't want it to be too unnatural, like the band members still want to hear the dynamics of what they're playing. Otherwise, they kind of lose that feel. If everything's kind of squashed, they're not going to get a true representation of what's going on on stage. So I normally like to do basically every channel or most of the channels and do about minus two to minus four dB a gain reduction. So I'd probably do something like a three to one ratio. I'd adjust the attack and release for whatever the instrument is. So quicker attack if you want it to be compressed straight away or a slower attack if you want it, like the transients to come through on like a drum or something. Then just adjust the threshold till it's doing about minus three of gain reduction. And I kind of just leave it there. And it kind of just helps glue everything together a little bit, but it's not taking away the feel of what they're playing. And then the only thing that I compress a little bit more maybe would be like a bass guitar just because like the lower strings are so much louder than the higher strings when you start playing those. So if you've got a bassist that's playing some stuff on the higher strings, you don't want them to be struggling to hear the higher strings and turn it up, but then it being really loud on the lower strings, just kind of balance those two out a little bit more. Maybe with like a four to one, five to one ratio and do about minus six to minus eight dB of compression to keep it as tight as possible. But apart from that, I'd keep compression pretty minimal in the ears. And I guess another example of in-ear stuff would be if you're working in-house at a venue, if you're a venue engineer and maybe a local band turns up and the lead singer has an in-ear unit and he wants you to mix that in-ear unit from front of house. Now, the problem you're going to run into is he's going to be listening to the same channels that you've got coming out of the PA. So if you change anything EQ-wise or compression-wise during the show, going to change in the singer's ears as well then you might have the problem of it might affect what you listen to and you might then need to turn stuff up and down and he's signaling you on stage and obviously he's going to hear it a lot more drastically than you are out front because it's, it's directly there in his ears so one thing i like to do if that happens to me is i always like to duplicate the vocal channel just so i've got separate eq control so on most digital desks super easy to do so let's say my bleed vocals coming in on channel 12 and i'll find the next available free channel that i've got let's say channel 17 select channel 17 and make it the same input source as channel 12. So now that lead vocal is coming on both of these channels at the same time. They do share the same gain. So once you've set the gain, make sure you're not changing that. Because if you turn it up to give you more level up front, it's going to turn it up in singer's ears as well. So you might end up deafening him. So just be careful there. And same the other way around. If you turn it down on this second channel, it's going to turn it down for you in the front house mix as well. So just be careful you don't touch the gain. But then it does give you separate EQ control. So on the second one that we just made, channel 17, let's take that out of the PA. Don't need that. So usually on most digital mixers, it's a button that sends that channel to the main stereo bus. It might be called like main stereo. It might be called LR. It might be called center mix, whatever it is on your mixer. Turn that off so that if you turn the fader up, it doesn't come out of the PA. Now, on channel 12, your main 
channel or whatever channel it is, uh, you're going to EQ that for your front house mix. And then you can do a completely separate EQ on this other one that you just send to the vocals aux end. So with this, you could be a little bit more extreme. You could take out some more of those low mids and you can even do a bit more boosting in the top end without being scared that it's going to cause feedback. It's only going to those in-ears of the singer. So you can turn up the top end a little bit more, help it get a little bit clearer in his mix and then listen to the singer, see what they need EQ-wise with that vocal because you have completely separate control. So if they want it to sound really top ender, you can do that. Or if they want it to sound a bit more low end, then you can do that as well and just find find the balance that they need. And then that means that during the show, if you need to cut some frequencies because that mic's feeding back or if you need to adjust it for whatever reason, you can do that on your front house channel and it's not going to affect what the singer's listening to in his ears. It's just going to have a better show all around. So yeah, that's something I always do if I'm doing that from front house is just duplicate that channel so you've got separate EQ. I mean, ideally you'd want it to do it with all the channels, but if it's just a local band that's coming in and you're you're in the venue, just at least do it with a vocal. It'll make a big difference to their show. So yeah, hopefully that answered that question and helps out. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on the day that it was released, then head over to the Instagram page now and click the Instagram stories. I'll put a question box up there if you've got a question for the next episode. Uh, if it's not the day it was released and this is the future, then you want to ask a question. If you're on YouTube, drop a comment down below. If you're on Instagram, drop me a message on the DMs and I'll try and answer it in the next episode. But yeah, until then, remember to go like, subscribe, follow on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.